Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This is Just the Facts Commissar. It's a Warhammer 40k podcast dedicated to the competitive scene. My name's Christopher, and I'll be hosting this episode today. This is actually our first episode, and uh, really excited. Um, I basically started listening to podcasts involving Warhammer a little while ago, and I couldn't find one that truly focused on the competitive scene. I felt like there was always some other aspects, so I figured, you know what, I'm going to make one that's just focused purely on Warhammer 40k competitive, 2,000 point battles, stuff like that. And um, so here we are. The first thing that you know I'm going to review in this podcast is the Tacoma GT. That happened over the weekend of July 14th to July 18th or something like that. It was a huge event. Over 350 people were participating in it, and it went over three days, and it was a big GT put on by Games Workshop. So during the event, I was at work, unfortunately, for most of it, but I kept up through the ITC app. I watched what I could on, uh, or the BCP app, sorry, and I watched what I could on Twitch, and it looked like a great, great event. And I actually posted um, some Reddit posts each day doing a little bit of a review of the top factions uh, by each day and then a, a final post and I actually have uh, the person who came in first place over the whole tournament and they came they came on the show and did an interview with me and talked about their army and the the meta overall and the event and kind of what his plans are so really excited to share that with you all and that will be later on in the podcast so the first thing that uh, I, I'm going to go over is just a review of the uh, the Reddit posts I made that were ever uh, an analysis of the event. So those are who are keeping up with the tenth edition kind of uh, meta. People have been complaining a lot about Aldari and uh, the Gene Stealer cultist, but we actually didn't see much Gene Stealers in the top here of this event. But if you look at Meta Monday, you can kind of see that Meta Monday is a statistical compilation, basically, of all of the events that took place put on by, uh, where's his name at, uh, JCMS85 on Reddit. And he does a great job. It's a, and he has a, a website, 40kmetamonday.com. So I'm not going to do that kind of stat comp- compilation. I'm just going to kind of go over an event at a time or an army and talk about it. Um, I think that's that's more my niche here. But if you looked at the event, only one Gene Stealer Cultist was in, t- uh, in the top 10 at the Tacoma Open, and that was uh, in eighth place. He came seven and one. But if you look at other events, you can actually see Gene Stealer Cultists. They dominated a, a lot of them. And, uh, uh, of course, Eldar are uh, top dogs. And, and, and Tyranids are still really good. So they, they're in some top 10s, and they won two of the smaller ones through the week. But back to the the Tacoma Open. So Tacoma Open ended up having 357 total players. Um, First place was Custodes. Second place was Custodes. Third place was Eldar. Fourth was my favorite list and my favorite army to follow for the event, uh, Chaos Demons. Fifth was Necrons. Sixth was Imperial Knights. Seven, Eldar. Eighth, Gene Stealers. Ninth, Imperial Knights. And tenth, Eldari. Again, another uh, complaint about army... Uh, Imperial Knights, but you'll hear in the interview later with Steve, uh, who came in first place, that the terrain at the event was 
uh, negatively impacted the Imperial Knights, positively impacted the, the smaller armies because there was so much terrain. So I think that's why we see them not, not winning as much and only one in the top 10, especially considering how much they were played in the entire event. So on, on to day one, day one, uh, it opened, uh, and you know, everybody played their first round and chaos demons played by Matthew Geyer came out, uh, on top of day one. So he was undefeated. He had a perfect score for day one, 100, 100, 100, all three games, perfect score. His list was totally awesome. I thought at least, and it was, uh, Bellacor, uh, Shalaxi Hellbane, a bloodthirster, three Lords of change. And one had the rod of sorcery. Um, and the other ones had their swords and then six flamers, basically. Uh, I, sorry, a unit of six flamers and then two units of three flamers for board control, I imagine. So if you don't know how the Chaos Demons work, basically they the, the their biggest army-wide ability is called um, Shadow of Chaos. And basically what it is is there's a shadow that covers the battlefield based off of how many objective points the Chaos Demons hold. Their deployment zone and their is always in the shadow of chaos. Okay. And then you can get the middle of the board by holding half of the points and you can get the, the, uh, enemy's deployment zone by holding half of the points there. So if you hold three points, depending on if you hold one in your, or you don't even need to hold one in your own, that's always, but if you hold two points, one in the middle and one in the deployment zone, and you hold half on a, on a six point map, then you're going to have the whole map covered with shadows of chaos. And what that means is it's harder for enemies to pass the battle shocks while they're in the shadow of chaos. And then you can heal one model in each unit for D three damage every turn when they're in the shadow of chaos. And then remember I said, it makes it harder for enemies to pass battle shock. Well, if they fail the battle shock while they're in the army, uh, the uh, shadow of chaos, they take D three mortal wounds. So, I think that's a really good army-wide ability. All you have to do is play the game because you're trying to hold objectives anyway to score points. So just by scoring points, you're you're doing. You don't have to go out of your way to get this awesome benefit. Um, and then you can deep strike. The chaos demons can deep strike into the area that is under a shadow of chaos, and they can actually deploy within six inches of an enemy and not nine inches. So that is crazy good because everything has deep strike on these lists pretty much. You pop in six inch charge if you need it. There's other ways to get rerolls, command reroll, whatever. It's it's crazy. So tenth edition has started off with uh, a bang, and what I mean by that is there's a lot of shooting in tenth edition. Shooting is very strong. Melee is not that great right now. Um, you'll hear later when I talk to Steve him talk about how weak melee is in this edition, and I play two very aggressive melee heavy heavy armies and i don't think they're in a very good place right now at all so so you know i think that matt here came up with a really great plan to overcome all of this shooting that he's going to face bellicor gives you a minus one to be hit uh, from range attacks at all time so that's huge for him and then he could take an aura every turn that affects units within six inches of him so he can take one that makes units untargetable, which is like a uh, less good um, lone operative uh, for by 18 inches. So if a unit is within six inches of Bellacor, 
then they can't be target unless the enemy unit is within 18 inches. And now you're in, you're, you're getting threatened. So if you want to move your big guns up and get into range, you know, if you don't wipe what needs to be wiped that turn, you're going to get some melee. Cause I think the hardest part right now is actually getting these strong melee units into range. Cause they're just getting blown off of the board. So, uh, Bellacor really sets everybody up and he has awesome shooting in melee. He's a very, very high cost point army or a, a unit. And so he, he, he's not bad himself and he could deep strike. I don't know if he actually did this at the event or not, but you have a lot of options with them. And then, uh, he had the bloodthirster and, uh, Shalaxi and the Shalaxi are really good because when they come out of deep strike, they can do it within six inches. So long as you're in the shadow of chaos, right? Well, Shalaxi has precision, which means that they can target characters, even if they are in uh, a unit. So normally a model will be protected. A character model will be protected by the, the, the infantry unit or whatever that it's attached to. But since he has precision, you can just jump in and <laughs> you can pop a unit, uh, a boss real quick. So, and, and the melee profile is, is, is very good on uh Shalaxi. So the, the, the soul piercer is the, the model or the, uh, the profile that has precision six attacks, two up to hit 14 strength. That's a lot of strength. So you're going to overcome that, that high toughness that we're seeing quite a bit. It's minus three AP and it's D six plus two damage. So minimum of three that's psychotic. So Getting into melee with Hellbane here is going to be incredibly important. So, and then if you don't need to do uh, high strength, the snapping clause has devastating wounds. So when you when you crit on a uh, wound, you're going to do mortal wounds equal to the damage characteristic, which is three. So you hit up on the two, you may be down on the strength because the strength is only six on this, but it's an extra attack. Get it every time. You make it four attacks. And if you happen to get a six, you're doing three mortals. It's it's very, very good. Um, but that does not have precision. So that's just going to go into, uh, you know, the unit. Feel no pain, five up. So it can help get across the board. And then when you get into the fight phase, Shalaxi can make one enemy unit within engagement range, uh, have a minus one to the attack characteristics for melee weapons. That's really good. And then when you declare a charge with Salaxi and it's against a monster vehicle or character, which of course you're targeting because you have precision, you can reroll the charge. So deep strike in six inch charge, reroll on the charge roll. And then when you make a melee after you succeed on that charge, um, or sorry, if you just make a melee attack against the monster vehicle or character, you can reroll the hit and wound roll. So you can fish for those sixes with the devastating wound. And really, really do a lot of damage here. It's a, it's a, it's a great unit. You just got to get it in a melee, which everybody seems to be struggling with here. And then uh, the next unit that he brought was oh, and Shalaxi Hellbane is four hundred points. Uh, Bellacor is three hundred twenty-five points. Now you have the Bloodthirster. It's another three hundred points. And as you can imagine, uh, this thing has crazy, crazy damage. And he has really great weapons. You can take Blood Flail, Hellfire Breath, which is a, a flamer, basically, or the Lash of Corn. I like the Blood Flail. It's a 12-inch uh, range attack. You get one attack, 
two up to hit, 16 strength, absolutely psychotic, minus three AP, D6 plus one, and it has devastating wounds. So I like that. There's a lot of damage potential. So in, in order to get a ranged profile on the Bloodthirster, you have to drop his melee weapon, the Great Axe of Corn, down to an Axe of Corn. If I were to take the, the ranged, I would take Blood Flail. But if I'm being honest, I don't think that's the point of this model. I think the point of this model is to do as much damage on the charge and kill it with melee. So I'm sticking with the Great Axe of Corn, which is going to be the seven attacks, two up, 16 strength, minus four AP, D6 plus two damage. He has his ways to get into melee because of the deep strike from the Chaos Demons again. So, and then when a, he has two data, uh, two two abilities. While a friendly Corn Legion's Demonica unit is within six inches of this model, add one to the hit roll, and then Relentless Carnage, which is awesome. At the end of the fight phase, you can select one enemy unit within range of this model and roll a d6 for on a four up, they take mortals. So just for being in range, you're doing mortals plus all the insane damage he's already doing. 18 wounds, 11 toughness, really crappy save. Four up save. So uh, he's not going to be the toughest unit on the board. 300 points. And then you have the uh, the Lords of Change, which these guys are a little more versatile. There's three of them, so I didn't expect to see a Lord of Change spam, to be honest. Has some decent shooting profiles. Nothing above strength nine, so you're not going to be taking tanks out or anything. Has decent melee, but again, nothing to write home about. And I think what the point of this is, is you stack them together and they get plus one strength and attacks because of the aura to Zinch. And then in the shooting phase, you can choose to add ignores cover lethal hits or sustain hits D3 until the end of the, the shooting phase to the bolt of change uh, gun that the Lord of Change has. So I think they're good. Uh, you know, they have 18 wounds and a vulnerable save of four, which, um, you know, 50%, I'll take it. I, I like that. So I, I think they're a tougher unit and they're not absolutely enormous if I'm remembering cor correctly. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And then you have the flamers, which are, are they're flamers, dude. They, they, all they are is it's just, they, they do flame damage. So they have, uh, flickering flames, which is ignore cover. Minus one AP, four strength, one damage, flame attack that auto hits. So, you know, that's good. But I think that these come out of deep strike and this is his point controller and they can shoot. So if they do get engaged, they can shoot and fall back, which is which is awesome. So they're going to stay in the fight the whole time. But that's it, dude. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine units in this, in this whole list. It's kind of crazy, but I, I totally loved it. And uh, coming in first for the first day, I was I was really rooting for this guy to take it all. So yeah, that was that was the first day, and the rest the rest of the standings for the first day, just the top five. It was the Chaos Demons I just went over, some Gene Stealers, Imperial Fists, which was absolutely crazy, and then two uh, Eldar lists. So you know, leaving day one, I was like, sheesh. Um, I think we might have another Eldar day on our hands, another Eldar. Uh, tournament but um, things changed on day two day two we're gonna see steve come out of nowhere 
with his custodies. And he's going to uh, take first place on day two. Second place is where the Chaos Demons went to. Third were Necrons. And then fourth were Eldari. And fifth were the Imperial Knights. So, you know, you get a, a, a much different uh, layout after day two of the top five standing. The Custodies weren't in it at all. The Demons managed to stay on top. Eldari stayed there, but Imperial Knights and Necrons came in. And they kind of held their top 10 from there. So I think, you know, there's some pretty clear winners of tournaments and standings right now, that being Custodies. I think Custodies are in a really great spot. Demons, I think Chaos Demons, are they're pretty good. Necrons, I think, are good, but they have some really bad matchups. Uh, I think Eldar are probably the best in the game, maybe. Imperial Knights, they're awesome. Maybe Eldar might be second best to Gene Steelers, but at this tournament, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily show through. So yeah, day two, we see Steve come in with his his custodies. So let's let's hit that list real quick. So he has a, a very melee focused army. Custodies melee is not strong right now, but I think that custodies are the the exception to that rule, and they are. If, if they're getting into melee with you, you're you're not going to make it. So I think, how do you move across the board? How do you control the map? And how do you stay alive from all this heavy-duty shooting is basically what it comes down to, to custodies. So rather than just read over the list and what I posted on, on the Reddit, let's just hop into the interview I had with Steve, and then we can do a real quick overview of the actual list itself in the battle forge so steve was super gracious enough to come on talk about his list and his army and his thought process and getting some insight into somebody who is really really good at the game and really really good at his army is awesome so i hope you enjoy all right steve welcome to the podcast i appreciate you coming in and uh taking your time here to to talk to me about the event mm-hmm. yeah thanks for having me that's uh, yeah. it's been a lot of fun Awesome. Well, um, you know, 10th edition, just, it, it's kind of, it started at the end of June. We're, we're in the full swing of it now in mid July. And, uh, you just took first place at the Tacoma GT, um, out of 350 plus players. So, uh, how does that feel? Is this your first, your first, uh, tournament? Is this the first one that you've won? Uh, uh yeah, it's my first, this is the biggest tournament I've ever won. I, I've won like countless GTs and, uh, little RTTs and all that jazz. Uh, I've been to a lot of super majors. Like uh, like I said uh, before, every time I go to, every time I've gone to one of these GW events, I've ever, um, ironically, I've gone third. So it's kind of funny. But now I, you know, actually won the thing. So that's pretty awesome. Nice. So yeah, this is your, your first, first place win at a huge tournament like this. And you finally broke that, uh, that streak of third place wins. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so tell me a little bit uh, about yourself. When, when did you start playing Warhammer 40k and, and then did you get into it with the notion of like, Oh, I want to compete, go to these super majors or was it like a hobby? And then you decided to compete at a later time? Uh, yeah, I started at the end of seventh edition. Uh, I really even knew tournament sort of thing. So it was obviously just a hobby. Like I, I played a lot of Dawn of War and lore videos and stuff. So I knew. And watched a lot of 7th edition battle reports before I got into the game. Uh, so I was excited to play it. And that was right at the end of 7th edition. Like, you know, a, couple, a month or two. I didn't really even understand what was going on. And I really got 
officially into it into index time in eighth edition i was playing tau because i thought a bunch of cool guys with big robot guns was awesome yeah <laughs> and i played like i was very like mid to low tier casual throughout eight till the end of eighth edition and then i started going to all these ramping out these big gts i played a lot in florida uh so i had uh it's kind of into the the fire from the start you know all the pretty much most of the best players are in florida more or less so that, that's that's kind of accelerated my uh you know going from casual to competitive player pretty pretty quickly yeah kind of tr- trial by fire you know you just jump in with the best and you know you're not you're not the uh, big fish in a small pond mm-hmm. uh so that kind of makes forces you to be better Oh, that's that's cool. I you know I kind of have a um, I started at the end of eighth edition, so I know I know that feeling where you start right at the end of something, you don't know anything, and then you learn a little bit, and then it all changes, and you're like, oh shoot, now I got to relearn it all for sure. So, but now we're in tenth, and uh, and so far I, I think tenth has been been a lot of fun. Uh, o- overall, what what are your feelings on tenth edition? Um, now that we're a few weeks into it, and you've and you've done a competition. Oh uh, yeah. Uh... I'm very mixed. Uh, I think most of the core rules are great in 10th edition. Uh, the main ones I don't like is I essentially deleted the fight phase from the game for almost every army. Like Most guns got essentially side grades or better in a lot of interactions. And pretty much every melee profile in the game, the Sonic Custodes, was just rocks. You cannot kill anything, and it's terrible. And that doesn't even imply you even getting into melee which is infinitely harder than it used to be and i'm a a big beefy melee guy like i i won best in faction custodies the year before and then i pivoted to death guard last year that again and i'm playing custodies again i like big tanky infantry models that are hard to kill and do a lot of damage in melee and now i'm because always like the only army that can do that and it's very depressing but the rest of the game i like like i like the missions a lot i like the terrain uh, I like the speed of the game. It's mostly just down to melee as general and the balance of the indexes, which I do not like at all. Yeah, I think that's a not an uncommon uh, sentiment right now. So I I play orcs and blood angels, mm-hmm. so you can imagine how I feel. Oh, orcs are, are are much better than blood angels are, and that's not <laughs> saying much. But uh, yeah, you're right with that one. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, I appreciate the five up save on my orcs, which you know to to make them a little tougher. But I just I can't kill anything, um, yep. and I and, and specifically with them, not to go off onto the orcs, but uh, like I just feel like there wasn't much to do with them. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, right right before the Tacoma GT, I actually played against my friends custodies, and um, I felt like they like every round had something cool to do. Mm-hmm. Um, with the activ- activations of their katas and every model kind of having their own, you know, once per game um, ability activation. How do you like that compared to like uh, ninth edition? If you played them, how does it oh, feel yeah. when you're on the board? Uh, I've liked studies all through the first half of ninth edition until they got to like their third nerf and they weren't fun anymore. They got rid of all their rules. I didn't like that. That's why I pivoted to Death Guard and they got a bunch of free war gear. But right now, Custodes is the most fun they've ever been. Like, uh, at the end of 8th edition, like, uh, this was in 9th edition with 8th edition codexes. We were playing with triple Telemons and such. Big beefy robots. It was the only way to actually play because they were pretty terrible. The 9th edition came out was bikes, which was fun. 
Uh, I liked the beginning, I finished when people were running a lot of bikes, but then it just uh, switched over to running like one squad of bikes and a bunch of tanks. I didn't like that at all. And then they lost all the rules. But now they they stayed the same points, but got like 200% more damage, which is awesome. They did what exactly I've been asking them to do for years, which is make their guns assault. So you can actually use them because as a melee only army, you're essentially just advancing up the board so you can never shoot their guns. It's very sad. Uh, and they actually got rules because before the problem with custodies is none of their models had like any baseline rules. It's like the difference between a warden and a custodian guard and an Alaris was just how much attacks they had. And now each one has their own specific rule and they actually have niches, which is great. I love it. Playing on the opposite end of it, it, it felt very cool and you know it felt very uh lore appropriate too like i felt like i was fighting the custodian guard oh yes um, because they were doing all this badass stuff like every turn um and i didn't feel completely overwhelmed it was a close game and um like they were like tyranids from last edition or anything um but they they felt strong (laughs) and they felt good so on the same topic um did you think anything about the Custodes felt specifically like underpowered or overpowered? And then do you think that Game Workshop is going to target that in upcoming like balanced data slates or anything like that? I'm trying to bring this as the most unbiased possible. It's hard when, you know, it's your main army. I don't... I You need to nerf GSC and Eldar first before you touch Custodes. I think Custodes is tied for the third best armies with Knights. Depends on your terrain. Like, uh... I think, uh, what's it called? Custodians is much better at this event than Knights because the density and how much cover you can get was so good. Uh, I was almost unshootable 90% of my games because I was just the terrain was so dense. The only thing I think they should change if they will change something is the fight's first mechanic um, on the strat. It, it's, it's a two-fold issue. I think it does gatekeep other melee armies out of Custodians, but at the same time, other melee armies are so terrible. It's not really Custodes' fault. It's the fault of the game. But the rest of Custodes, I don't think, is overpowered until we nerf GSC and Eldar, because GSC is almost a doomed matchup anyways. Um, I would like them to, if they're going to do something, change the fight first, nerf Eldar and GSC, then see if Custodes are actually overpowered afterwards. Because if you see the rest of the events of the weekend, Custodes didn't win shit. It was just Tacoma. And then every other event was GSC and Eldar all top eighting. But on overpowered and underpowered aspect, though, I played a million games before the event, like uh, probably 20 in or something before this event. I hate Wardens. It's the only unit that doesn't reroll wounds, like Alaris and Kasuni Gardu. Uh, they only own six mans. I want as much malls as possible. And they don't have, like, I don't, I hate their special rule of their once per game ability, which is because it, it gives them a four up feel no pain once per game. But it's beginning of the phase, and it's very awkward. So if you pop the game in the shooting phase, your opponent can just target something else. And without having rerolls, they don't actually buff their characters. So like Trajan in a Custodian Guard squad gets full rerolls to wound, which is crazy. Or the Alaris Captain gets full rerolls to wound versus vehicles, infantry, and monsters. Uh, vehicles, characters, and monsters. Uh, other things that people love, and they're not wrong for liking them, are the tanks. Like Hank got second place, he did great. I personally, why I ran my list is I did not feel, I felt my list was only weakened to one army, which was GSC, and was favored into every other army. I feel like the tanks ironically make you weaker into something like Eldar and Knights, because they're not that hard to kill. 
from, from turn one behind a wall, but the custodians themselves are very hard to kill. And they don't they just roll four up saves versus its main gun, so it's just a fifty fifty. And it makes you weaker in the mirror, as we saw in Hank, where his tanks, though they killed a bunch on turn one, end up kind of if he had ten more infantry models like I did, he probably would have won pretty easily. And and while we're on the topic of uh, of Hank, um, you guys mm-hmm. faced off in the final uh, mirror matchup, um, and it looked like a, a a relatively close game. Just looking at the points scored per <laughs> round, um, what were you focused on in that fight? And then did you feel like it could have swung the other way easily? Did you ever feel like you're on a back foot, or did, did you feel in control the whole time? Oh yeah. So me and Hank, we both knew we we, we know each other. We're, we're friends. We talked to each other a lot. We played a lot. Um, we knew going in the game, my list was favored into his. So he needed on a very strong turn one to be in the game, which he got in spades. It's the craziest turn I've ever experienced in 40k. I lost 19 of my infantry models turn one to oh just his guns. Yeah, his tanks with their eight shots killed seven, and then his bolters killed five. It was what he needed to win, and it was insane. And I just had to not get disheartened and focus on points for the rest of the game. Uh, what caused me to win is, if anyone watches and seen the VOD, I deep strike, strat reserved a squad of sisters and an action squad in the top left corner where uh, an objective was. And warning onto the objective where his Witch Seekers were and killing his Witch Seekers and standing on that objective while being in his DZ was a 40-point swing throughout the rest of the game that he couldn't come back from. That was the main reason. And the second reason is the squad that did not get hurt had the Ceaseless Hunter enhancement, which lets them fall back, shoot, and charge at all times. And once per game, they can make a normal move of six inches when someone gets near them. So that let me heroic into his Alaris on the turn one Alpha Strike where he killed all my crap. And it let them swing around, clean up all his wardens, all his Alaris, and half his rest of his guard squad, and then just run around doing secondaries for the rest of the game. So it just it he and since he didn't have that relic enhancement, I could pile into his guard squad. He didn't have any models to fight, and then he was just stuck in combat, so he had to fall back to get on objective, and he just lost a whole turn with his essentially one real unit left. So those two aspects were the the main finishers really, and. The, the minor one, but because it is the card system, I drew better cards than him. But that's just how the cards work. You'd, you'd, sometimes you draw good cards, sometimes you draw bad cards. I don't really consider that like a plus, or, plus or negative in it, how you win. Sounds like an insane match. I'm, I'm gonna have to mm-hmm. look up that vod because I was working. Oh, it was the greatest game I ever played. You should watch it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, de- I'll definitely watch that. I, I, so this exaction squad, can you can you just talk about those for a second? I I, I had never seen that unit before. Mm-hmm. And uh, you said on one of the Reddit posts that they were the MVP of your list. Just could you mm-hmm. like, uh, what was your like strategy with those, and w- what did you do? Yeah, I unironically think it's one of the best Imperial units in the whole game. I think every single army should be running two squads. Uh, they're they're the new RBDs that came in the kill team. Uh, there there's three squads of them, and it's the one that comes in a five man, so it's the most efficient. They're seven point dudes, so you get five for thirty five points. They have a four up armor, so they get a three up in cover, and they have a five feel no pain for no reason. Uh, so they're ridiculous durable for five seven points, and they get they all they all have assault guns, so they can run and do actions, quote unquote. They're not actions anymore, but they can run and do actions, so they're really good for investigate signals. And they get two free heavy weapons, so they get a six shot stubber and a grenade launcher. So they just are the most like cost efficient unit possible, really. And so 
every game I deployed one on my DZ usually and reserved the other one. So since I had two squads in reserve and my assassin can jump into reserve, that's like three squads in reserve, I could easily do all the corner secondaries with no effort, which is usually like impossible for custodians. To yeah, do. custodians' limited mobility is always kind of what I've targeted, especially like playing a more mobile army like mm -hmm. orcs with vehicles or, or blood angels. And I could see how that opens up the battlefield quite a bit for you. Um with that assassin, did you were you targeting characters or were you just stacking up points on the secondaries? Nah, she got into melee one time versus Hank because I lost all my dudes. I'm like, I gotta kill Lisa Custodia too with her. She usually starts on the board because every this is why she's so good. This is the the, the she has the vect ability, which is when someone casts in a, a strat, you can make it cost one more for the rest of the game. That's the main reason people like her. But like seventy percent of the reason I brought her is because every turn she can put herself in reserves, which is crazy. She's essentially like Grey Knight. Like, uh, Alaris do that, but they do it once per game. So she does it every turn. So every turn she's jumping around, doing secondaries, being a lone operative so she can hold objectives without being shootable, and sometimes shooting her flamer, which is good because it's anti-infantry 2+. plus. Like, against Jeremiah, I killed, like, seven warp spiders with her flamer just by winning them on twos. It was crazy. Yeah, I was reading over that that uh, that sheet, and I was like, man, this model, is this is good. So yeah, I figured it was it's the best assassin by far. It's so good. Yeah, so that 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 was a great pick. Uh, the, I love the uh, the additional non custodies units that you brought, mm -hmm. and I and I figured they were they were kind of MVP for you. Um, all right, just a couple more questions. So, um, you played uh, the Eldari a lot during the GT, mm -hmm. and uh, what's your general strategy for a, to, like a target focus when playing against them? Because I I think they them and the GSC have been complained about quite a bit this edition so mm -hmm. um yeah going into those matchups what were you preparing for um to be fair to be honest you can't really target anything in eldar because it's all behind a wall 24 7 the only thing you'll ever see is like the random war walkers and hornets that are holding objectives uh so my game plan versus eldar and specifically why i wrote this list with 30 boys in it is just to run at them as fast as possible and overwhelm them, which is hap what happened every game. It's because uh, Eldar doesn't struggle to kill five custodies. They struggle to kill ten. And you only need, like, two or three custodies to one-shot anything in their army. Um, and what it's actually a, a giant strength of the custodies' guard is all their ejective players, like the Hornets and the Warwalkers and the Vipers, are all under T8. And being under T8 is really bad for your opponent because it means our bolters wound you on fives. So we have a squad of dudes is uh, 22 shots, rerolling all wounds at 2 damage, and they get 4 up saves, uh, shooting twice. So usually, like, any Hornet, any Warwalker in range just gets shot from 30 inches away, equivalently 6 plus the 24-inch gun. So that's really bad for them. Um, but it's like, it just depends on what they had. If they had Fire Prisons in range, I'd go after them. If they had um, Wraith Guard, like Jeremiah did and my second opponent did, uh, I would just delete them because they're not hard to kill in melee for custodians specifically. For everyone else, yes, they are. Um, but it's really just overwhelming them. Every game I would make, like, I would just line my army in, like, three lines. Like, I'd be the top, middle, and bottom. And by the time they kill one of the ten, the other two are mostly unscathed, and they're, like, charging them on turn two and three. And it just, that's what gets them every time, because they can't efficiently kill three blocks. Uh, one strat uh, that people don't really understand is if you kill one or two custodies on like turn one and two, that's actually terrible because then I get a Reza guy. 
And I get a resin two inches away from my the rest of my squad. And his base is about two and a half inches wide. So that's about four to five inches extra of my charge I get for free. Just because you decided to kill one guy. And that makes their 18-inch threat range to 22, 23. And that lets me charge them. And they kind of get caught on their back foot when that happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, was on the wrong end of that resurrection tactic when I played them last time too. So that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, last but not least, um, I'm assuming you're planning on playing more tournaments. You're mm-hmm. you're ranked uh, 721 overall in the ITC, um, mm-hmm. and with four to six games played, um, are you going to go and compete some more? Try to go for number one, or are you just focused on top custodies? Both. What does that look like? Um, well, about the ITC, it's kind of ambiguous if it's still even going on, like realistically. Uh, so I don't really care about the ITC too much. My stat check ELO is like the only ranking I care about. That's usually usually high. I'm always between 10 and 20th. They haven't updated recently. I'm probably going to spike up right now from winning a super major. Um, but for other tournaments, though, I obviously got the GW Inventational now to go to. I got the golden ticket for winning, so expense paid. Um, there, I'm probably going to go to the GW, is it Orlando or something? Whatever they, their GW event in Florida is. And I think it's in September. I'm most likely going to go to that. And I have a million GTs around this local area. Um, and then, so I'm probably going to try and go to two or three more Super Majors this year. Most likely LVO. I don't know about that one. The Rio is such a terrible hotel. <laughs> kind of dumbs down. Kind of brings the whole experience down. Yeah. But yeah. I, all right. Well, that's interesting. I, I've never checked out the stat check ELO, so I'll have to I'll have to look into that and see what that's like. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, they have a, a real ELO system for all players, just like chess does. It's really cool. Oh, nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking at it right mm-hmm. now. This is great. Thanks for sharing that. So, um, mm-hmm. well, thanks for coming on the show uh, again. My first episode, so I appreciate you sitting down with me. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the insight uh, and congratulations and good luck on the on the rest of your uh, your competitions. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me on. Well, that was it with Steve. Uh, thanks again for coming on the show if you're listening to this and for uh, sharing some insight about the event. Uh, so let's just hit his army really quick, and then that's going to do it for our episode. It's, uh, it's a pretty cool army, I think, and I think he focuses on some really good units. So his 2,000-point army is a shield captain. With the Ceaseless Hunter Enhancement. Another shield captain. And of course, it's not a Custodes army without Trajan. Because he is just, he's amazing. He's a great unit and he just does so much for the Custodes army. So, what I love about the shield captains is, especially with the Ceaseless Hunter, is the amount of utility they bring to the army. So, I'm not going to get into reading all the custody stats. It's pretty much six toughness, two up save, great leadership, good amount of wounds, six inches of movements for everybody, okay? And then they have awesome melee profiles. But what makes them strong is all the rerolls they get and all the little tricks that they get, right? So, when you look at nine strength, you're like, how is this guy going to kill, you know, something with 14 toughness with only nine strength? (laughs) Well... Shield Captains, Masters of the Stances. At the start of the fight phase, you can select one Katas Stance. Until the end of the phase, that stance is active for this model's unit in addition 
to the one that is active. So for those who don't know what martial katas are, at the start of a fight phase, the custodies player gets to pick one of three. They get to, and, and then it's active for your entire army. So they can subtract one from hit rolls made against them by melee. They can give all of their melee weapons in their army sustain hits one, or they can give all the melee weapons in the army lethal hits. With the shield captain, you get two of those. Crazy. Um, and then once per game, once per battle, they can activate all of them. So minus one to hit, lethal hits. It's it's crazy. And then they have strategic mastery. This is once per battle round. You can select one model from your army with this ability. That model's unit can be targeted with a stratagem for zero CP. Even if it's already been targeted, even if that stratagem has already been targeted, has already targeted another unit from your army that phase. You get to reuse stratagems. It's free. You run this twice. You're using the same stratagem three times. They have crazy good stratagems. So I can understand why he brought two of these shield captains. And then he took a ceaseless hunter on one of them. Uh, basically, they can shoot and declare a charge in a turn in which they fell back. And you get an additional once per battle ability. And that is when an enemy unit ends normal advance or fall back within nine inches of the bearer, you can move six inches. So... <clears throat> it's a great way to move somebody up the board and get a ton of killing. So after he uh, those three, he has his battle line, which is a unit of eight custodian guard, and then two more units of four custodian guard. And and then after that, he has those interesting little guys that I'd never heard of before. I apologize. It's not eight four four. It's um, I believe it's eight eight eight. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. So it's three units of eight custodian guard. Um, and then he has a group of prosecutors, the Chaldeus assassin, and the exaction squad. So he told us why he loved the Chaldeus assassin, and that is because of the ability where it can go into strategic reserves every turn. I mean, just so much map control. And then also... Uh, lone operative, so you can't just shoot it off the board. Great fighting. He didn't really use it to fight, though. And But when it does fight, it has great fighting, precision, mortal wounds, all kinds of crazy stuff. So uh, awesome unit. And then, of course, his exaction squad, which was the MVP, he said. They're units of five, 35 points total. Five up feel no pain. Always hiding with a three-up, uh, so they have a three-up save. Just a an awesome unit. What a great find and just great board control. So um, I went ahead and I, I've shared a link to the uh, list for the chaos demons in here. I've shared a link to Steve's custodies. And then I also shared links to each one of the review posts on Reddit for day one, two, and three. So you can click on those, get a little more details, kind of look at the list yourself, see, you know, how you like it, maybe if you're a custodies player, if you want to try it out and make it your own. Um, but that's going to do it for our first episode. And, you know, I'm going to keep making these. I'm going to hopefully get a little bit more into the overall meta in the future. So probably a little more focus on uh, the stats and maybe a little more Meta Monday information. And then uh, some some more of what, you know, these top performing armies like the Eldar the uh, uh, the knights and the gene sealer cultists kind of what they're running into that's my goal at least so and then as the meta changes we'll we'll discuss those changes the 
and all the patching and stuff that Games Workshop does. But yeah, just uh, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, follow the podcast and get your updates there. And then uh, I'll have the socials posted below. And then I'll also be on Reddit doing posts for the next big tournament. I think it's going to be the Lone Star Open in uh, Texas. So look out for that. Uh, thanks again for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Good luck to everybody in your competitions.